Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. What's up, know-it-alls? You got stuff you don't need to know. I'm Jay. Let's get down to it. So we're in the thick of December. It is holiday time. Happy holidays to everybody once again. So I think, you know, last week I kind of did a best of the best comics uh, for 2020. Since Christmas is coming or the holiday time is coming, I think now is a good time to kind of just talk about some of our favorite holiday movies and shows and really just Anything kind of to do with the holidays. So joining me as always is my daughter, Cassie. Hi. Alrighty, so let's just jump right into it. So Cassie, before we kind of go and, and kind of look at some of the favorites that we picked, what, for you, what defines or what makes a Christmas movie or show? I think it just needs to make you get into the get into the feeling of the season you know like it doesn't need it doesn't need to be perfect it could be silly it could be cheesy it could be like it could just flat out be bad but as long as it like captures as long as it makes you feel like it's christmas then it's a christmas movie or show so you know uh, a die because everybody that's always the big one is die hard is die hard a christmas movie because it's set during christmas but there's really no christmas feelings there at all yeah yeah, absolutely. Okay, so why don't you start us off? Do you have like a favorite, you know, uh, movie or TV show or anything like that that is Christmas related? Um, I'll start off with um, a TV show. It's um, a Friends episode and it's the Holiday Armadillo. How can I help you? Well, um, do you have a Santa outfit left? Two days before Christmas? Sorry, man. Okay, look, do you, do you have anything uh, Christmassy? I promised my son, and I, I really don't want to disappoint him. Um, come on, I, you gotta have something. <laughs> I'm the Holiday Armadillo! <laughs> I'm a friend of Santa's, and he sent me here to wish you a Merry Christmas! <laughs> I like this one because, um... Cause, cause it focuses. It's, it's, it's like a Christmas. It's, it's a Christmas episode that really focuses like on Hanukkah, and it focuses on Ross and Ben, like something you don't get to see a lot. Cause we all know Ross is not. He's not a good guy. But in this episode, you get to see he gets humanized a little bit. The, 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 the energy of the season kind of goes into him, so he can be a good father and a good friend. Now, pretty much in this one, he he wants to tell his son Ben about the miracle of Hanukkah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, but so how does he go about doing it? He goes so first. Um, he tells Ben like, "We're not going to have Christmas this year. This year, we're only going to have Hanukkah." And then Ben starts freaking out. He's just like, "What's going to happen? Like Santa's going to forget about me, and then like nobody's going to love me." And then like he's like, "Okay, okay, like Santa will come, but we're going to do Hanukkah." And then. He goes to try to get a Santa costume, but it's too close to the time of the season. So the only costume they have left is an armadillo. <laughs> so Ross shows up to Ben dressed as an armadillo, and he explains to him the miracle of Hanukkah with help from Joey, who's Superman, and Chandler, who is Santa. Yeah, that's right. I think there's like one part, like, uh, it's kind of like the tail end of the story. I guess like they come back from a commercial and it's something like, isn't it like, and then Superman flew... Oh yeah, because Ross... Um, 
Ross said he did not appreciate the part where Joey said uh, Superman flew all the Jewish people out of Egypt. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Um, so, how, how for you, how does this episode kind of capture the holiday spirit? Because it's not just about Christmas. I think it's... Well, what, what, what really gets it for me is Ross and Ben and Ross and Chandler and Joey. Because it's about Ross... Because you don't get to see Ross and Ben interact a lot in no. the show. You don't. No. So then this is we are able to be to see that like okay Ross isn't always the best guy but at least he's a good dad. True. And you get to see Joey and Chandler even though, you know, Ross could be like horrible to them that they still show up for their friend and they help him out like in the spirit of the season, you know? Yeah, because I think uh Chandler borrowed the Santa suit from somebody in his office and Joey figured well, Superman's good enough for something like that. Yeah. I forget like why he shows up. No, absolutely. That's definitely a good one. All right. So my first pick is also uh, from a TV show. So I don't know if a lot of people remember because The Simpsons have been on forever. But their first episode ever was a Christmas episode. It was actually their first Christmas special, which was then going to lead into the series, uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. Get a load of that quote-unquote Santa. I can't believe those kids are falling for it. Hey, Millhouse, I dare you to sit on his lap. Oh, yeah? Well, I dare you to yank his beard off. Ah, touche. I hope you feel better, Santa. Oh, I will when Mrs. Claus's sisters get out of town. Thanks for listening, kid. <coughs> hey, Santa, what's shaking, man? What's your name, partner? Uh, little partner? Well, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? I really like this because up until that point, The Simpsons were kind of like little animated shorts that popped in between ep- uh, between skits, uh, skits on the Tracy Ullman show, which was a very, very funny show. And a lot of the people on the show lent their voices to The Simpsons. Uh, Dan Castanella, who continued to be Homer uh, in the animated series, you know, he got his start there. The reason I like it is, is I think like a lot since The Simpsons had been on forever – a lot of people think like, oh, it kind of hit the point, it jumped the shark, it's not relevant anymore, and it's really kind of goofy. If you watch this and, and, and early Simpsons, you'll see why it really was such a great show. Um, so pretty much the premise of it is, is you know, it's Christmas and, you know, the Simpsons love Christmas. Uh, nobody more so than Homer. And even though they're not wealthy, they, they manage to get by and they manage to kind of put together a very warm... And sort of like happy Christmas atmosphere for, you know, the whole family. Uh, Pretty much what happens is, is first Homer finds out that he's not going to get his Christmas bonus. But it's okay because Marge has been saving all year. She has the Christmas jar, which, and this is one of the things that, you know, this is where we start with the psych eggs and everything. Marge hides it in her hair, the Christmas jar, the Christmas money. Um, And she actually has to spend it because Bart wanted to get a tattoo for Christmas and he started to get one and in order to get it removed she had to spend all the money and she's like but that's okay homer you know we'll just stretch out your christmas bonus the thing is is that homer does not want to be a disappointment he he doesn't want to say that he's not getting a christmas bonus even though it's not his fault you know the company's just like we're not giving one this year so pretty much homer becomes a mall santa to try to raise money um you know this is where we get you know, the first, this is the first instance where we get on Bart Simpson, who the hell are you, when he sits on Santa's lap. Um, and one of the things, you know, before I kind of talk about the Christmas aspect of it, one of the reasons I like this, you know, 
early episodes of The Simpsons, it's it's a lot of that subtle humor that kind of disappeared as the series went on. A lot of sort of background jokes and stuff. Um, you see it a lot when Homer receives his training to be Santa and other things like that. So basically what happens is, is you know, he figures, I'll be a mall Santa, I'll get paid, and I could save Christmas, but they deduct tax and suit rental and training and all this, and he's left with $13. His friend Barney says there's a sure thing down at the dog track. They go down there. Um, and, and the thing is, is Homer doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to take his son to the dog track. He really feels down. He's like, this is not what I want to do, but I really don't have much of a choice. And instead of betting on the sure thing, there's a late second edition to the race that they're going to bet on. There's a new dog that comes in called Santa's Little Helper. And Homer is convinced that this is a Christmas miracle, even though Bart tries to tell him it's not. They end up losing, and in the end, he has to go home and face his family, pretty much kind of ruining Christmas. But the owner of the dog chases, uh, Santa's Little Helper chases the dog away, jumps into Homer's arms, and this is how we find out, this is how the Simpsons got their dog, Santa's Little, Hel Santa's little Helper. Uh, he brings the dog home and he pretty much saves Christmas. And, you know, he's amazed because he, he, he feels like a total failure. You know, he really couldn't do anything right. And Marge, I think, really sums it up where she says, you know, this is the perfect gift. You know, it's something that could share our love as a family. And I think that's a great sentiment for the holidays. Uh, I also like it, too, because we get Bart's version of uh, Jingle Bells. And we also get his version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And whenever it come, either one of those songs come on the radio, I just sing those instead of the traditional carols. All right, so that's going to bring us uh, back over to Cassie. So, Cassie, do you have another show or movie that you'd like to talk about? Um, my next movie is The Polar Express. I believe. I believe. It is not a good movie. That Nothing happens in this movie. They're on a train for like five-eighths of it. In the last three-eighths, they're walking through a present factory. And at the end, Tom Hanks is Santa. And then that's the end of the movie. But I just like it, I think, for the aesthetics. And like the place it holds when I first saw it. Because I first saw it in elementary school, I was in first grade, and my first grade teacher said, oh, like before winter break, I'm going to bring in my PS2, and we're going to put in the DVD of the Polar Express, and we're going to watch it. So we watched the Polar Express, and it was really like the first time like I had Christmas with like friends, because like I didn't have friends in kindergarten, so I had friends in first grade. So then like it was, it was, just, it was just a nice time in my life and also like the aesthetics of it like yeah i know the animation on the people looks really scary like those dead eyes on like all the tom <laughs> hankses is really creepy but just like just like the scenery like when the ticket gets lost and it's flying through like the forest and the mountains and then the bird catches it it's all really pretty and like all the reindeer is really pretty and that's that's kind of why i like it what about though was there a message there, though, that you really liked about it that kind of tied it into the holidays? Oh, that's right. See, I got so caught up in the animation of it, I forgot the message of the movie. But 
Yes, the, it does have a very sweet message. It, it's that if you, it, it, it's basically just like belief. Like in, in the context of the movie, it's believe in Santa Claus, but you can kind of take it to be like, oh, like believe in like goodness or believe in like happiness. And like if you believe in it, like it'll be real for you. And then it's just, it's a really, it's a really sweet message, even if the package it's in isn't the best. Do you also think, too, that it has to do a lot with childhood because, you know, it's the belief in Santa. If you hear the bell, that means you still believe in Santa. And even though these kids that went on this miraculous journey, um, because I think at the end, I guess the narrator, it turns out, is a little boy telling the story. And he, he says to this day he still hears it, but even though, like, his sister doesn't hear it and things like that. Do you think there's, like, like, a, like an element of like innocence and childhood also wrapped up in this movie i think so too that's 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 definitely part of it because i think because it's so tied in with santa claus the message Mm -hmm. that it is inherently tied with childhood because that's when you believe in santa unless you're a kid listening then santa's definitely real but then um (laughs) yeah but then like you can kind of take this message to believe anything about like the holiday season like believe in the goodness of it and like the happiness of it like it kind it can it, it, you can extend it a little bit and i think it's also too it's a nice touch that it's a sleigh bell yeah you know and that is kind of like the symbol of the belief instead of something more grandiose it's like it doesn't it's almost sort of like they're saying you don't have to get a ton of presents or big extravagant presents to have a happy holidays or am i reading too much into that no, I think it's good because I remember because at the end of the movie, um, Tom Hanks' little kid goes to Tom Hanks' Santa Claus, and Tom Hanks' Santa Claus is like, "You can take any gift from the big pile of gifts." And um, little Tom Hanks is like, "I'll just take your sleigh bell." And Santa's like, "Okay," but then because he has that sleigh bell, he always has the memory of Santa Claus and that belief and that innocence and that joy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a very strange movie, especially what's that musical number? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Oh, my friend, my friend and I love it. We always go hot, hot because that's just the chorus of the song. Uh, and I mean, also too, I think there's a part too where aren't the kids like? There's like the Tom Hanks kid. There's the the kid with the glasses and the girl and the little girl. And it's like they're like running on the train. It's like they're <laughs> on the parallel. top of the train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like really, it's like really, really weird that like they're in peril a lot. But yeah, I think the message of it is is really pretty good. Um, so the film I'm going to look at, it's Miracle on 34th Street. Now, there's th- two big versions of this. There's the one from the 40s, and there's the one from the 90s. Your Honor, every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Federal government puts its trust in God. It does so on faith and faith alone. It's the will of the people that guides the government. And it is and was their collective faith in a greater being that gave and gives cause to the inscription on this bill. Now, if the government of the United States can issue its currency bearing a declaration of trust in God without demanding physical evidence of the existence or the non-existence of a greater being, then the state of New York by a similar demonstration of the collective faith of its people, 
can accept and acknowledge that Santa Claus does exist, and he exists in the person of Chris Pringle. Uh, the one from the 40s, first thing I want to say is is when they colorize this, I was, just like they do with any of these old movies, I was very heartbroken. Please don't do that. Um, Burl Ives is Santa Claus in this. A very young Natalie Wood plays the little girl. Um, I like both of these movies. What I like from the 40s one is I always like kind of that aesthetic that they have. I really like the way they tell a story there. Um you know, filmmaking in the 40s, especially the late 40s. I think this one came out maybe 46 or 47. I like that they tied it into real world things. Um, it took place at Macy's and it was the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which traditionally ends with Santa, Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, and Burl Lives is actually, you know, he is Santa Claus in it. Um, what I liked about the 90s one is, first of all, Elizabeth Perkins was in it, who back then I had a big crush on her um dylan mcdermott is a very good actor he's in it as well uh and the little girl is played by maura wilson who was like she was matilda like she was like in a lot of those films kind of playing the sweet little girl in it um as much as i like the 1940s one and for those like you know who know pretty much um you know the santa claus in the movie it's like a rival store tries to kind of prove that he's really not Santa because they want the business. Um, and they actually end up going to court over it, you know, you know, trying to prove, is this the real Santa Claus? Because if they can't prove it, he'll be committed. I This is where, this part of it is where I like the 90s version better because in the, in the 40s one, pretty much what happens is is the lawyer and i forget who plays the lawyer it's really killing me but that's okay pretty much convinces like the mailmen to like all those letters that kids write to santa he pretty much convinces them to to come and deliver it to 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 this this santa claus right there in the courtroom and the judge is sort of like all right and it's like like an old stodgy judge and he's sort of like well if the u.s postal service which is a branch of the federal government says this man is santa I really can't say anything to the contrary. Case closed. Where in the 90s one, um, Dylan McDermott gives a very impassioned speech about belief and, you know, spreading joy and love. And uh, when the judge is going to render his verdict right before he does it, Maura Wilson comes up and she hands him a dollar bill. And she hands it to him uh, so he can see the back where it says, In God We Trust. And he kind of like makes a statement of like, you know, we put this on our money. We say, in God we trust, but yet nobody asks for proof or belief. Like, we just take it on faith. And that's pretty much what Dylan McDermott says. That's what the judge says. And I think, you know, both of them are really good at talking about belief and faith. It's just, I kind of like the way the court case went in the 90s one and Elizabeth Perkins. <laughs> Did you, you did you saw which you, did you see the nineties one? The, I haven't seen any version. Oh, you haven't seen any version. All right, well we're gonna put that on the list. All right, Cassie, uh, do you have any more movies that you wish to talk about? My last movie is Love Actually. Dear sir, dear David, Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a very happy New Year. I'm very sorry about the thing that happened. It was a very odd moment, and I feel like a prize idiot. Particularly because, if you can't say it at Christmas, when can you, eh? I'm actually yours, with love. Your Natalie.
Jack, yeah, I need a car. Right now, thank you. It's the first time I saw this, I think I came home for the holidays after my first semester at college. That was the first time I saw Love Actually. Mm -hmm. And oh, it's it's just it's just so good. And because like not to mention like the cast, like everybody in it. Everybody in it. Just amazing. They even have like they have like a young Olivia Olsen in it. And I was just like, wow, okay, that's cool. And then um the cast, amazing. But I really like the message of love in most of the stories. <laughs> um, yes. There is that one glaring story where you're like, why is this in the movie? But then the rest of the stories, um, like Colin Firth, his story I really liked about where they didn't need... It, it's, it's, it's really cheesy where they're like, they didn't need words because they knew they loved each other. But it gets me every time I see it. Absolutely. And um, I like I like Liam Neeson and Ferb's story um, because Liam Neeson like the thing you told me the second time I saw it is that Liam Neeson isn't even Ferb's real father he's his stepfather yes and I think that's what makes it even better because Liam Neeson doesn't have to care for this kid anymore well legally he does but like emotionally he doesn't have to care for this kid anymore but he's just like you know what like he he really is my son and I'm gonna I'm gonna help him like achieve his dream. And then, um, yeah, and then it's weird because the kid is Ferb and the girl he likes is Olivia Olsen who voices Vanessa Doofenshmirtz. So it's all the layers converging into one. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's, yeah, I, I guess this one is sort of about love and Christmas because it starts off, I think, you know, we hear kind of as they do, not the scene breaks, but as they do kind of transitioning through the different elements of the movie we hear like a radio announcer and he'll kind of say like oh it's the week before christmas oh it's the day before christmas sort of a thing um i in this one i always loved you know prime minister hugh grant's story uh you know that's a great one even the small one with martin freeman um oh where he's the where he's the stand-in for the for the porn yeah yeah and pretty much you know he he finds love on christmas um yeah it's this is just such a great film i mean is this one you could watch like every christmas i could yeah it's just it's 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 just it's so to me it's perfect absolutely it is and i mean from hugh grant's opening narration even even the credits at the end when they show the shots of like people returning from flights overseas flights at uh, heathrow airport and just all these people connecting has nothing to do with christmas at all but it, it just, you know, that love and, and everything, it's it's great. And you're right. I mean, you know, Hugh Grant, Alan Rickman, uh, Emma Thompson, uh, Andrew Lincoln is in this. Martin Freeman's in it. Uh, Bill Nye. <laughs> um, I like Bill Nye's story. His his I think is a is 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 a close second to Colin Firth's. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, that part of the film when Colin Firth pretty much. Um, Shows up at his family's house, and then he's just like, right, I have to go, because he has to go get Aurelia. Uh, and I just, what I always loved about that scene is, is he goes, okay, I have to go. And he leaves all the presents, and there's a kid in the back going, oh, I hate Uncle Jamie. Like, he left you his presents, like, 
come on. <laughs> that, I mean, that when he goes after Aurelia and when Hugh Grant goes after um, Natalie uh, and he goes up and down the street because he doesn't know her in stress. <laughs> Even though he's the prime minister, I'm sure he could have found that out. Um, still, it's great. And I know, uh, you know, you always love the Christmas octopus. Oh, the Christmas octopus is the best. And Spider-Man was in the manger. <laughs> Alrighty, so the last one I'm going to talk about is uh, a, a film that we very recently, dis- well, pretty recently discovered, um, and I absolutely love it, and it's Fred Claus. You know, Nick, there's been one thing that's been eating at me since I've been here. That naughty nice list that you got. There's no naughty kids, Nick. They're all good kids. But some of them are scared. Some of them don't feel listened to. Some of them have some pretty tough breaks, too. But every kid deserves a present for Christmas. I think we should kind of share talking about this. Cassie, why do you love Fred Claus? I like Fred Claus because of... Because of Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti. Because they're just so perfect working together as brothers. Yeah. And it's just like... It, it's it's like a real... It's it's like a real brotherly dynamic. They're not like making it up like... Hey little bro. Hey big bro. Like it's not like that like you see in like TV shows or some movies. Like it's, it's real. Like they fight and when they fight, they fight for real. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of resentment between them. But then of course in the end they learn to overcome it and they learn to be a family in the end. Yeah and I mean you know Vince Vaughn as Fred. Fred Claus the brother of Santa Claus learns... You know, I mean, it's kind of cheesy to say he learns the true meaning of Christmas, but he really does learn the true meaning of Christmas. Um, Again, I mean, I I think you're right. I think the two of them work very well together. And not for nothing, I mean, we've talked about a few different Christmas movies, different people playing Santa Claus. I honestly think, you know, joking and everything aside... You know, even though he's very funny in the movie and the dynamic he has, you know, with Vince Vaughn as his brother is great. I think Paul Giamatti plays a really good Santa Claus. He is a really good Santa Claus because because he because he's jolly and he's a nice guy, but like he's tired. And like, I think that's what makes it so real because he loves what he does and he loves all the kids that he helps. But at the end of the day, he's just tired. And he's tired, and like, and then that's why Fred is able to work so well. His character is able to work so well because since Paul Giamatti is already so tired, he has no tolerance for Fred. So that's what makes their conflict grow faster. And yeah, yeah, and and I think you know the fact that he sees that Fred really learned, you know, about putting others before yourself, and and you know, really. You know, like, because, I, I mean, Fred clearly is very jealous of his brother, you know, being yeah. Santa Claus. I mean, we get that great scene where he goes to brother's therapy yeah. uh, with Frank Stallone and Stephen Baldwin <laughs> and uh, Bill Clinton's brother, uh, <laughs> Roger Clinton. Um, you know, that he's re- resentful of it, but that he puts all that aside and that revitalizes, that revitalizes Santa Claus. But I think, okay, before I talk about this one scene... Um, Kevin Spacey's in this movie. Ooh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, before we knew everything about Kevin Spacey, he played a great role as Clyde Northcutt, like an efficiency expert who 
was coming to evaluate Santa, but secretly wanted to shut him down because he felt slighted by Santa. Santa didn't give him, what was it? Superman cape. A Superman cape. And he went on to play Lex Luthor. That's really funny. I think that scene, though, where... Um, oh, where Paul Giamatti is like, do the right thing. Right, yeah, yeah, you know, and he pretty much, and he remembers, you know, he remembers who he was and where he lived. And, and why he got on the most naughty list. And what does he say, though? He's like, I, he he does say, I was wrong. Because yeah. that's the one thing that Fred brings there. Because, you know, the scene we get is or pretty much, you know, if you've never seen the movie, you know, Fred wants to borrow money from his brother, Santa. And <laughs> he's like, you know, Santa's like, you know what? I'm not just going to loan it to you. You got to come up here. You got to work for it. Because I think he wanted to reach out to Fred yeah. and be like, you know, you never come and visit. Come up and visit. So he, he puts him in the naughty nice department and, uh, you know, he has him, like, read the files. And there's that great scene. He's like, you know, if the kid strikes you as naughty, bam, bam, stamp him naughty. Um, and that's the thing is, is, is what Fred teaches Santa is it's not black and white. Naughty and nice is not black and white. I mean, I, I think you could agree with that part. Yeah, because, like, because I remember he'd read the files and then he'd see, like, the kids having tantrums. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, did you know that this kid... Has has dealing with this problem and this kid's dealing with that problem and then like his little like neighbor friend slam slam yeah it's like he sees that like his grandma is sick like he has nobody in his family and so like of course he would end up on the naughty list because number one on the naughty yeah, list I think yeah. because like he had nobody to love him so then Fred said like if you give him a gift it shows that somebody cares and he'll be a nicer person. Yeah, and it's yeah, and again, it's not so black and white. And, yeah, and, and it's they they really do. And and you know, for all the jokes and everything, and there's a lot of funny scenes in it. I really think it's a very very heartwarming film. Um, one film that we didn't talk about is where, where does a Christmas story rank for oh, you? I think um, when I first saw it, I was like, "Wow, this is the best Christmas movie ever!" But mm -hmm. then. I think because they show it every year on yeah. TBS for 24 hours, it's like you watch like the first 20 minutes of it, like, oh boy, and then you're kind of like, I've seen this already. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's definitely, I mean, I still think it's a good movie, it's a funny movie, but yeah, I definitely think, yeah, I don't know, switch it up a little yeah. bit. Um, are there any others just kind of off the top of your head? Any other kind of Christmas movies or shows that you really, really like? Or <laughs> I have to mention it because I woke up at 7 in the morning on Thanksgiving break just to watch this movie. It was... <laughs> it's called The Princess for Christmas. And um, it's a Hallmark movie. And um, Katie McGrath is in it. And if you don't know who Katie McGrath is... Just Google her, and you'll see why I woke up so early to see this movie. <laughs> and um, it's really corny because, like, her sister died, and now she has to take care of the kids. But then the kids, like, don't like the situation. But then, uh-oh, her sister's husband was really a duke, so then they get to meet Duke Roger Moore. And Duke Roger Moore doesn't like Christmas, but then the kids teach him the meaning of Christmas, and everybody has a good time. And Katie McGrath does some hip-hop dancing. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or as that very refined lady who was really in love with the prince said, ghetto dancing. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, we've, 
we've watched some Hallmark movies. We've watched some Lifetime movies, uh, you know, because they're really cheesy and everything. But you even said this one was really, really it's good. It's cute. It's cute. It's definitely cute. It's very predictable. I mean, you know right from the beginning what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, Roger Moore's in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, I forget what he says when, when um, Katie McGrath is, like, dancing with the prince and uh, somebody is, like, you know... They, they kind of allude to the fact that his his oldest son married a commoner and now his youngest son... Seems to be in love with a commoner. And he pretty much is something like, you know, don't get your knickers in a bunch or something like that. Oh, yeah, he says, he says, like, well, your daughter is all furs, but no lemon liqueur. And then I'm just like, okay. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was it was very funny. Um, yeah, and it's great. And it's, it's a good time. Alrighty, guys. So thanks for listening to our, I guess this is kind of our holiday episode. Uh, I hope everybody has a really good holiday out there, be it Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa. Festivus, whatever it is you celebrate. <laughs> so, guys, do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I post pictures about the content that I talk about. Know it all. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later. Depart.